Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. So I have so much, I feel like I need to say that this is week one of a 16-week series. So I was I was uh, actually sitting in a drive-thru after a meeting, and I and I had just received a prophetic word, and so I was sitting there for a while. So I got out my phone, I looked at, it, and I said, "Oh, I got a text from Stephanie. Oh, hey, you're preaching in a couple weeks. You all right with that?" And so the way it happened, it was just messing me up. You know what I mean? Those things. And um, I heard uh, I had a scripture that I got. Uh, during worship, and I was kind of surprised getting this scripture during worship time. And so I've been chewing on this for several weeks, and then this happened. And then as I'm thinking about all this, what I was reminded of, Stephanie, was um, I met you at Gilead, I think about three years ago. And uh, I think you were like one of the first non-Mount Hope ministries to be there. I think so. And uh, so since uh, Gilead was kind of my building, I ministered there for a long time. I said I better go check this out. And so when I showed up at this conference, then uh, a fight broke out between the elect and Jezebel. That's how we met. And I said, wow, this was not what I was expecting. Stephanie knows meek and mild-mannered and very reserved, and nobody's going to change that? Nobody's going to challenge me on that? (laughs) 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 But I spoke with you afterwards. (laughs) When I spoke with you afterwards, you were so intense, I expected that to be uh, like a residual, but you, you put it all out there. You were good, and and uh, when we talked about that guy, you your love for that man, that was um, you were kind of having this thing with, was uh, very impactful. And somehow, something I remember us standing at the altar area, and the dove, and the eagle, was the start of this logo. And there was a prophetic word that somebody shared about the eagle and the dove. And that was the, tra- I think it was the tracks that God runs on, his, his presence and his power, something like that. And um, so I, I was started coming here, and I thought this was going to be where I was going to be coming. I came here for a long time until worship again, and he said, stop. I didn't understand, but I've learned to obey. So I, I do visit from time to time, and so it was during worship, another worship time where uh, during worship I saw creative miracles and creative ideas being released, and then I saw this whole logo, 
eagle and the dove with a heart in the middle. The pine tree is my middle name, which is Oren, which is I learned is Hebrew for pine tree uh, because when we went to Israel, my wife is Mexican and older than I am. We were detained in customs for an hour because they didn't understand what this man with the Hebrew middle name was doing with this Mexican woman that was older than him. <coughs> Something's up there. Something is up there. <laughs> so I saw this whole thing about this logo, and I said, okay, that's the next thing. So when I w uh, had the ice sculpture logo, I put it on everything. I mean, I put it on my underwear, on my socks. It was on everything. I mean, literally put it on everything. And, and I mistakenly said, well, I'm going to put this new logo on everything. I said, well, this is not the new. That's not new. That's the old thing. So I just put it on a few things. But this, so I was reminded of all this just this last couple of weeks about this is how I met you. And so when I got this first logo and creative ideas and creative miracles, and I uh, was meeting with Sherry Montgomery at the House of Promise then too, a part of her prayer team. And right after I got that, he wanted me to release that at the House of Promise, creative miracles, creative ideas. There is a little, um, the, the main driveway is just past the house, and it's very obvious. And there's a second driveway that's just before this little used. That's where he wanted me to release creative ideas and creative miracles on each side of this little kind of, you have to choose, you have to know it's there to go there. You have to walk through between, you have to choose to walk, to drive through creative miracles. It's not just obvious. <coughs> and then I got this, um, this necklace to give to Sherry. It's like an arrow. And it was <coughs> representative for Sherry of being upside down. And so I picked Sherry up by the ankles and shook her. I said, everything you need is in you. I didn't actually pick her up. <coughs> Maybe you knew that. <coughs> I just thought I should be clear about that. But that everything is it that you need is in there because she has some big dreams. She's got millions of dollars. And um, Stephanie, this one's for you. Maybe somebody can help you put that on. But I, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> as soon as I saw this, I thought, they'll do this. Immediately. This is what they need. So I was, so he's just been giving me so much in the last few weeks, but I, I feel like there's never been, so he's, he asked me to stop coming here. This wasn't the only place. He had me stop going everywhere. The, and, um, you know, during the, the lockdown, did you hear about that? We were all locked down for a while. <laughs> when we were locked down, so many people were sending, you got to hear this prophetic word. You got to hear this prophetic word. And I, because there were people that I, I had, appreciated and I loved, I started to listen to him. I felt like he was telling me, I want to give you stuff directly. I don't want to give it to you through anybody else. So I quit listening to everything. 
and just so I, so I feel like you guys are a hard act to follow. This microphone is a hard act to follow, so I'm glad I don't have to. <laughs> so I was serious about it. I don't know what he's going to say today. I and so this whole, it's just been an amazing time. I just feel like I have such freedom. For a long time, my destiny, all these words you were sharing today, each one was just hitting me. And I was like, my destiny, for a long time, people told me what my destiny was. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and so I, <laughs> so I feel like I'm just starting to recognize some things. A couple of years ago, so I I uh, did ice sculpture for 25 years. A couple of years ago, before all the nonsense, I walk through the door of my shop and I hear the word retirement, and I wasn't even thinking about retirement. I said, "What are you talking about? I'm not ready to do that. And how's that gonna?" And then uh, a year later, here we are, retired. Not by choice, but by... And so I'm so glad that I listened to him about wisdom with finances because I did something that didn't make sense that set me up that allowed me to not work for a year. <laughs> Had I not done that, I know I might be homeless. I know some people think I am homeless when they see me. <laughs> in fact, I, I was so sick in November of 2019, I spent a week of being so sick, you know, that it was thought that I might have might have had COVID then, but I was so sick. I had laryngitis for a week, and um, I had dreams that I now know were uh, tied to the political, what was going to happen, but I didn't understand. It was such a, have you heard that Rick Joyner had COVID? He said it was such a glorious time. He never had such pain, but he never had such great time with the Lord when he was so sick with COVID. I felt like that's how it was for me when I read that. I said, it's just what it was. And, uh, but the kicker for me was I was also without the Internet during that time. I said, okay, it's one thing to be sick, but I don't get this non-communication with the world kind of thing, but this whole thing about being isolated with him. <laughs> and so I've just been... Um, It's just been really good. So this, this verse that I heard in worship is in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 7. And it, it talks about, uh, it says, always learning but never coming to the truth. And it shocked me because of the group of people I was with. I said, I would not describe people like that, this group of people like that. <coughs> A couple of days later, he wakes me up. When he wakes me up, he says, that's to the church. I said, what? I've always kind of read it like, well, the beginning of chap chapter 3 is titled, uh, Don't Be Naive, Perilous Times Are Ahead. And then it gives this list of like, I don't know, what is it, 15 things about what people are going to be like, dog eat dog, lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, blah, blah, all this stuff. And I always thought it was describing the world, but describing the church. And then as I've been, <laughs> this couple of weeks, I've been chewing on this, I said, oh, I've done that recently, and I've done that one. I've done so. This is about me. Kind of shocked when he talks to me like that. I think I'm. I think I've arrived. <laughs> I'm. That's that's a joke too. I do not <laughs> think that I've arrived. Sometimes I think that I have. You you think like I'm doing pretty good. 
I, I have these um, I have these memories of being in ministry when somebody you know when you minister so great to somebody they they thank you and so I early on when I was ministering I used to say oh yeah that was me that's right thank you that, I did I did tell you that's right and then they leave and he says you know you weren't my first choice Okay, so I've had that happen a few times where I thought I was all that. And he says, wait a second, you are all that. In fact, uh, I think it's Billy Burke that said, it's good to think highly of yourself. It's bad when you start thinking too highly of yourself. Because he does live inside you. You should think highly of yourself. We do accomplish great things, but not without him. <laughs> the whole ice sculpture thing was about him anyways. I said, I don't see how it's going to happen. You have to do something unmistakable because I can't see how that's going to work. I've been told that won't happen in Lansing. It's not possible. So I believed it for a while. <coughs> then I met Jesus and everything turned around and, and uh, the unmistakable thing was I got fired from my job and I couldn't get hired anywhere. I said, I guess we'll try this out. That was 25 years ago. So now I feel like I'm ready for the next thing my third career. And so here's what I've been chewing on with this verse the last few weeks is, do I have to get fired from everything? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got fired from my ministry at the church. I felt like it was, it was painful. I, you know, I've been fired from every job I've had. I, so so I, I, I know the upside of that is he's made me to be like, when I latch on, I don't let go. But he's trying to teach me that there's a time to let go. <laughs> it doesn't have to be painful. That's on me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this verse, and he's telling me all that list of things, that's you too. All right. Well, I am thankful, Brent, that every day is a new day, that his mercies are new every morning, that yesterday is forgotten. So all the things I did, said, and <laughs> that was yesterday. Why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? So when I come in, when I used to come in, or when I used to go in anywhere, I sit. In the, I like to sneak in the back and sit in the back and not. I never would have dreamed that I would be standing in front of people speaking. It petrified me. Now I'm doing it barefoot in shorts. I was going to put long pants on because this doesn't look very dignified. <laughs> that's, what, that's what my family says about this. In fact, my family gave me a hard time at my mom's funeral about my long hair. Really? At my mom's funeral? It's okay. I still love them. I still love them. He's taught me a lot about loving people. In fact, as I listen to and read these two books of Timothy, First and Second Timothy, that Paul gave to his young protege, I hear a lot of love in there. It's about recognizing this group of people, but it's not like that group of people. It's like, here's how they are. Here's how to love them. <laughs> You'll help some. But I've always felt like there's three groups of people. There's those that will, those that are maybe, and those that won't. 
you don't always know who they are up front, but we're supposed to try with everyone. That was hard for me because part of my gifting <coughs> means that I can easily get over into being judgmental and critical. That ditch. Sometimes I feel like this narrow path I'm on is so narrow it's impossible. I take all my energy to get out of that ditch and I get up there and the enemy just takes me and says, let's take that momentum and throw him in the other ditch. <laughs> Now trying to walk this walk. But I'm not going to be perfect, so I just keep, I'll try again. So this retirement thing, hopefully this all makes sense and I'm not bouncing around, but this retirement thing, so I've thought about this. So we spent 25 years carving ice. Now I, 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 I do know that I'm better at it now than when I started. But now I'm going to retire. I'm going to stop doing what I got good at. But I don't know. I cooked for 20 years. I stopped doing that. I feel like I've had so many careers. How old am I? I think I'm 30. <coughs> and then I do something and I realize that hey, I'm not 30. In fact, I just turned 62. So now I'm eligible for Medicare. <laughs> what? <laughs> now I'm getting emails and phone calls and text messages. You are eligible for <laughs> Holy, you want me to feel old. <laughs> but I still feel like I'm 30. I think of myself. Do you, do you catch your reflection sometimes? And you go like, who's that? Oh, wait a minute, that's me. Somebody, I've, you know, and I minister, I've ministered sometimes, and somebody will take a picture, and they'll send it to me. I says, why are you sending me? Oh, that's me. It's from the back. <laughs> when I was a kid, <coughs> my grandma was always trying to get me to eat peanut butter as a way to put on weight because I was so finicky about eating. So I was so skinny and so small, they were always, I was uh, frail, I was sickly as a kid. And uh, I, I don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> In fact, my wife is still amazed at stuff that I'll, that I'll eat, that I'll try. So turns out I like a lot of stuff that seems kind of crazy. I learned how to cook a lot of stuff that seems kind of crazy. But I've had all these careers. God has taken me. So why would I stop? Why would he have me stop? Why? Well, I didn't choose. Nobody's calling me for ice, so... In fact, that's why I was late today. I did one today. And so I've been talking to this guy for a month, and um, he calls me up. He says, we changed the time. And I said, oh, what time is it that you want it there now? He says, 2.30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Got nothing going on. Haven't been doing anything for months, and now I got two things at the same time. So I, so I said, I'll, I'll bring it a few minutes early. That'll be okay. Yeah. So I, I was here a few minutes late because when I got there he's like we had it all picked out we're going to put it over here what do you think well maybe we can so it was one of those things it took a few extra minutes but but I felt like today was so important to be here that because I was going to uh, tell you I couldn't come today because of that I didn't want to mess things up but I felt like it was so important to be here today for some reason I, I don't know if it was because of what's going on with you and how much I appreciate you 
how much you've honored me. I stop it or you're going to make me cry. <laughs> he's been so good to me. Sometimes I cannot believe how good he's been to me. To have carved ice, something I love doing. I tell people I really retired 25 years ago because now all I do is go play. So this verse about always learning and never coming to the truth. My life verse, the very first, when I first heard that God wants to speak to you and answer you when you pray, <coughs> was in a prayer meeting in this little church in Diamonddale, and, and the pastor said, hey, we're going to ask God to give us a verse, so get along by yourself for a few minutes, and he gives me this verse, 222, and I said, oh, that's your mind, making something up, and it's Timothy 222. And it says, so these things you've heard from me among faithful witnesses, teach to other people who will be able to share to other people. Be a disciple maker, actually. So so I've thought about this verse often. That verse overwhelmed me as just being born again, new to hearing the whole. That's way beyond me. I'm not ready to do any of that. How can that be right for me? But he's never talking about to where you're at talking about where he wants to take you. That's kind of yesterday. That's where I was at. Where am I going? I have no idea. What are you going to say today? I have no idea. Always learning, never coming to the truth. So I've ministered with the homeless, and there are lots of homeless people that will get up and recite, and you'll, they'll come up for prayer, and they'll give you a, they'll recite a whole bunch of scripture. So it's not about knowing it. It's not about memorizing it. Obviously, it hasn't impacted. Some of those people want to be homeless, but I mean, for by and large, the people I minister to are trying to get out of that. So it's not about memorizing the word. It hasn't helped you a bit. But always learning. So in that in that part of scripture, there it's it says that it's. Uh, these, these two magicians that gave uh, gave Moses trouble, Jonas and Jambres, they were quoted or used as the examples of they are, are used in this in speaking to women. So I've thought about that. Because for the most part, where God has taken me has been mostly with women. I know. Somebody at Mount Hope told me once, he said, I don't know any man that has so many female friends. <laughs> I said, where that's God's taken me. So that's where I end up is in these intercessory groups. I've been a, uh, in prayer groups my whole ministry career, kind of. And for the most part, that's women, right? But this, so he's using this women, and so I've, I've mold on that while I'm thinking about this verse, and so it's just, because my life verse comes out of this, out of these books, I've listened to and read these, I don't know how many times, and so, but recently, now that he's given me this verse, I've listened to him, now I hear him in a whole different way, it's like I've never heard parts of that before, 
Isn't that how it's, that's why it's called living word. It's, it seems like it's always changing almost. How does that work? I don't know. There's a couple of things I don't know. Not many now that I'm 62. <laughs> but that was Paul, and so I've thought about that. I said, so here's Paul giving all his life long. Now he's pouring out his wisdom to these guys. Here's how to recognize this side and this side, and here's how you deal with both. But it was always in love. It was never about avoiding. <coughs> so what is it about the women that was sparking my interest here or drawing my attention? Men are not really looking for, like I said, it's mostly women who are, are the ones that are praying. So if he can take out the women, then he's really taking out all the warfare. Because if I go there by myself, I'm not going to be as effective as when I'm there with a group of people. And it might not probably go if I'm going to end up being there by myself all the time. Or even if it's me and another dude. You know how dudes are. We got a couple of words and we're done. <laughs> That's why I love you. <laughs> so, so it's uh, so trying to hear him in this whole thing about it's always learning and never coming to the truth. So where does he want to take you? The whole thing for me about him stopping me coming here was because I know he took me out of where I was because I was becoming religious. I was becoming a very good Pharisee. Even though I was seeing miracles when I prayed for people, even though I was seeing things, you know, the enemy is okay with you being successful as long as it's not where God wants you to be. He's all right with you being here, seeing a few things. As long as God wants you up here and you're not up there, the enemy's okay. So he takes me out. He says, you're becoming a very good Pharisee. In fact, I told this to somebody. He says, no, you're not. I says, well, that's what he told me. So I'm going to obey what he told me. So stop going. And so it's kind of amazing now that I'm focused on him and I'm, <laughs> you know, you can't really, you know, somebody wants to give you a book or send you a good word. That's It's all... I still believe in that. I still listen to those, but not <laughs> not first thing. He's first thing. Otherwise, these other voices become God to me, and that's how I feel they are with some people. So always learning and never coming to the truth. Some of these religious people, some of these are my friends too. And so I try so. That's where he started, with my friends, because I love them, and I try to help them. Some of them got mad at me. So when you talk about this is going to be hard to love in this situation, I understand. <laughs> you reminded me when you said you were up early praying today. I've had these moments in my life where I recognize that somebody's praying for me. He lets me know somebody's praying for me right then. And it just, it breaks me. I, I felt that today. So might have been you, could have been you, could have been whoever. Yeah, I never get a name like, you know, Stephanie's praying for you or Holly. 
but I just, I just, he just lets me know somebody's praying for me. And I do have people I know that have told me that they uh, got to put it on their heart to pray for my wife and I every day without us asking. I said, well, that's, he has a way of messing us up, doesn't he? In a good way. And it's usually when you least expect it, just going along and wham, hit you with something. learning and never coming to the truth or the whole truth because they do have a portion of the truth they're walking in and they think that's it it's the same thing God says no there's more there is always more what am I doing here what am I going to say where am I going to go? He has been taking me places. Sometimes I get to speak. A lot of times I don't. But I know I change the atmosphere wherever I go. It's not because I'm so good. It's because he is and he lives in me. So I go and I just do whatever he asks me to do. And if it's I don't feel anything, then I just peace be out of this house. Because I've been places, I've been excited to go places because people, <laughs> it's kind of weird, so I say, so this thing about being religious, I feel like I've been battling Jezebel off and on for 25 years. And I saw it in my wife's family first, and we almost got divorced because we were accused in the church. <laughs> accused of being Ahab and Jezebel. And... Uh, and so this was, so I guess we're going here. So this was I, a day I refer to as kind of like Black Sunday. So we were serving in this church, this little church. This was after Diamond Dale. We went to a bunch of, a series of little churches before we ended up at Mount Hope. <coughs> we were in this little church, and um, we were called in after the service. And a couple that, now I wasn't doing very much ice yet, so we were still kind of, living below the poverty line, the government said, depending on a widow woman for her government cheese and her powdered eggs. That's how she paid us to pick her up for church. Kids love those powdered eggs. You ever had powdered eggs? They are terrible. The kids didn't know better. They love those things. But um, in fact, we were driving her dad's car, a little Geo, and uh, we had four grandkids living with us then. And so it was like, you got to sit in the back. You can't sit there. Your brother has to get in there. So I had to direct traffic on how to get in so we could all get in the car. <clears throat> so after church, the pastor wanted to meet with us. And so when we went in there, the whole leadership team is younger than us. And um, and you could tell right away that something was, something was up, right? So we were accused by this couple we tried to help. We had just got our car back, and they were without a car and couldn't get to work, so we gave them our car. It was supposed to be for a few days. If you've ever done a few days, you know what a few days is, weeks. And uh, they were the ones that accused us. <coughs> well, I think that's in there, too. And uh, so then we get home, and the oldest grandkid had run away. And then we got a phone call that her dad had a major heart attack. So all this happened, bang, 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 and now because of how it happened at the church, it doesn't want to talk to me. 
it was a terrible day. And that's when <laughs> it was an incredible time. As I look back, it was an incredibly good time for me with him out of all that. I don't know why we need hard times to get to the good place. But the word says we do. That's why I'm here. I'm still standing. I think I got all my fingers and all my toes, mostly. I've only had a couple of accidents, nothing you can tell. <laughs> Hopefully. But I've had a few of these days in my life where it's bang, bang, bang. All in the same day, all in the same time. Why? Because you can handle it. I want you to know that you can handle it. You know, and it almost seems like it's one of those things like, yeah, I can handle it. No, I know that he's made me that way. That's part of my not giving up that when I know I should quit, I have to get fired because I won't let go. I kind of think of it like a pit bull. You know, when a pit bull locks on, he kind of looks around. It's like he can't even help himself. He can't let go. It's like I got, yeah, might lock my jaw. That's me. I know it's not, I know it's not good, I, but I'm not going to quit. You're not going to make me quit. Got fired. <laughs> okay, now I know. I guess it's over. <laughs> kind of unmistakable now. But I, but, so I keep praying that I want to be able to know when it's time to go. Why can't I just, okay, that's it. It wasn't bad when I left here. It was just stop. I said, okay, I don't understand. <laughs> I had, um, the Accelerate Conference. Do you remember this? Did you go to this? Did I mess this up? A little bit? Okay. It was like six or seven years ago at Mount Hope. It was the tagline was going to be a life-changing event. Every time they talk about it, it's going to be a life-changing event. It was Cheon, Sam Chan, miracles, stuff's going to happen. I'm ready to sign up for that. I'm online, ready to hit enter, and he says, don't go. Don't, don't do that. And I said, you don't want my life to change. God, what? You don't want my life to change. <laughs> he never answers. He just gives you that, don't go. Okay, I don't go. A couple of days later, I'm invited to come, but be in the intercessor room because it's going to be during the day. There's going to be pastors there, which are still mostly men. And so they wanted some men ministers, and since it's during the day, I'm available. Would you come? So I went. <coughs> and I walked in the room. So this really is all related together with always learning and never coming to the truth. And he's showing me all this stuff about all this religiousness that I've been fighting that I didn't even know. How I've been fighting Jezebel that I didn't even know. As I walk in that room and I said, it's like it's always been. This room is like it's always been. In fact, I, thought, I said, we have learned how to create this atmosphere. The lights are down, it's the right worship. It was the time of those infusers, so the room has got this great atmosphere. How can you not enter in in here? How can you not hear God in this? I said, it's like it's always been. Now, all these women start, um, when, when it, we started, so it was all women and me, and they all started worshiping, and then uh, they were started laughing. I wasn't feeling it. And um, they're dancing. And I wasn't feeling it. I was like, something's not right. 
And so they were praying for me because I'm not getting it. They think that I'm in rebellion. I'm not, I'm not on board. I'm not. And uh, so if I would have hit enter, I would have gone to the conference, but I would have missed out on what God wanted to do. Here's how he wanted to change my life. In this room, not in that room. As soon as I walked out of that first session, I ran into one of the pastors, and um, he was so pumped up, but it was a pumped up like a motivational speaker. It wasn't a pumped up Holy Spirit thing. It was pumped up like, wow. And in that moment, God downloaded 25 things to me. I've never had this happen before. He gave me these 25 things. I said, wow. But instead of praying about them or asking what it meant, I, in my own understanding, said, oh, that's about this person and that person and that person. And that. This was one time I could have avoided being fired if I would have said, oh, he's talking about me. All these things are about what's going to happen in my life. <laughs> and so I didn't recognize until... So it's almost by accident that I see this text in a drive-thru. <laughs> do you still want to come? Yes, I do. And then I, I could have opted out because of this ice thing today. I said, so I see the, all these things. The enemy's trying to, nope, i got to go. There's something about today. Something about today. I don't know what. You're a part of it. Well, you're all a part of it. So as a side note, even though I don't regularly attend here, he regularly brings faces to me to pray for. So I'm with you when I'm not with you. I've learned a lot. And when I started thinking about that, I said, yeah, but I feel like I have only learned this much. There's so much more. Not where I was, but I'm not where I'm going to be. Can I be happy where I'm at? I'm learning to be happy right here. I think that's why I'm experiencing this freedom. I'm at home. I'm just happy about what do you want to do today? I don't know. We could do anything. What do you want to do? Woohoo! I'm going to go swimming today. I'm going to spend the day in the pool. What? You got to be working. Not if he tells me I don't. That's all part of the recognizing the religious spirit in my family that didn't go to church was a mind-opening thing. The religious spirit, <coughs> we so often fall prey to it because it looks so much like what we're after. Just a little off. Usually, just a little off. It's never blatant, and you're like, oh, that's a religious spirit. So I saw it in my family about doing this is how we do this. I, it was easy to see it in Ida's family because I didn't grow up with it, so it was hard for her to recognize it. I didn't see it in my own family because I grew up with it. Very familiar. No, my family's right. Your family's wrong. No, both our families are wrong. <laughs> 
So early on in this little church that we got rebuked in, we got a prophetic word from somebody that visited about getting an inheritance. But it's not about money. It's about spiritual. We were excited about that. Trying to recognize, always learning and never coming to the truth, but trying to help people and seeing the rest. When somebody is so sure that they are right, they have got it going on. They know. That's why we have to be so pliable, why we have to be soft-hearted to him about leading us, about, okay, then show me where I've missed it. So that's why I was so shocked when he says that. He woke me up and shows me that's I'm speaking to the church. In fact, I'm speaking to you. I still get mad on the highway. <laughs> I still get mad at my Christian friends when I'm riding when they're we're on the highway. <laughs> You're one of those left lane people. Okay. <laughs> so this love walk is this. Choosing to love people. We had our grandson with us for nine months. He was a, he's a military vet, uh, very severe PTSD. He was a, a medic, so he saw a lot of stuff. <coughs> and he got into some situations, so he ended up with us. I knew it was God orchestrated. And um, he used... Nick to show me how I was missing it. He used this kid that's messed up to show me how I was missing it. So why is he doing that? Oh, you know what? I do that. Why is he doing that? Oh yeah, I do that too. So he moved out. <laughs> he was with us for nine months. So appropriate that he moved out. Nine months. We gave birth to 165 pound. 40-year-old <laughs> grandson. <laughs> it's part of the being free. He lived, It was a challenge to live with him. Because if you don't know, they freak out. Middle of the night, they freak out. He's lost an earbud. That's why y'all freaked out. I can't find it. So the house is torn apart. Keep it straight. So it was good when, while he was with us. But I'm, you know, there's a freedom now that he's not. But I know that he was not just birthed from us. He was delivered from some stuff because he lived with us. And one of the, <laughs> he messed me up one time when his aunt, he was living with his aunt. She had to kick him out because he was drinking. And she said, when you're drinking, I just can't, I can't have you here. Oh, where am I going to go? He ended up with us. And, uh. So he was with us for some time, and she asked him, he, she said, uh, you haven't had a drink since you've been here? He says, no. Well, how come you can do it here and you couldn't with us? Because there's peace here. Wow. It's not something I preach to him. It's not some, It just resides in our house because, because of the prince of peace. So that messed me up, that he's receiving something without me preaching at him, without me trying to teach him something without me giving him scriptures to read. It was just him being in our house, in our presence. 
So that's all. Wherever he takes me, I just go there. I'm all right with, I used to be, well, I didn't get to speak, then what good was I? So I have learned that wherever I go, I change the atmosphere. So people are going to misunderstand us. They're going to misinterpret what we do. That's all in there too, I think. In fact, I recently <laughs> was praying with a group of people, and something happened where we blessed one of the one of the people. Well, it was a financial blessing. So we're going to take up an offering for you because you're going through a hard time. And it got to the end, and I said, I, I didn't feel like I was supposed to give. I said, it was bothering me. If you give now, it will be the religious spirit because you're going to go along with this because you don't want, you don't feel it. You're going to do it because it's what you're supposed to do. And so everybody did their thing. And then I, so I went and I gave her a hug and I says, you know that I love you, but I wasn't supposed to give, but what I, he wants you to give, I'm giving to you right now. What he wants you to have from me, I'm giving to you right now. It's way more valuable than whatever I could give you in money. She's breaking down. She's crying. She says, you know, I used to hate you. Really? Before I got to know you. Now I love you. I've, <laughs> I've had that happen a lot. I've recognized that that's just how he made me. Something in me irritates the ungodly in people. And recognize what's going on. So this... He's, Paul is trying to show Timothy how to recognize things. So uh, uh, here's a question I didn't get to look up. So was Timothy already the pastor of a large church when Paul gives him this, or was this before? When he was just getting started? Okay. Okay. But it's Paul teaching Timothy how to look for both. Those that are free and those that are bound. Those that think they're free but are still bound. So as I visit these places, I hear about these places, and I just visited a place in DeWitt, Jesus Church. Young guy, Dylan, the pastor, didn't want to start a church. Just wanted to teach people the word, so we had a Bible study in his house, and it got so big, now they had a church. He's 25 years old. Johnny Kay told me about it. That's how I ended up there. Johnny Kay sends his greetings. He says, tell them I love them at Shekinah. <laughs> I love that guy. I could talk to that guy all day. So he's been taking me. I didn't feel like I was supposed to go back. I felt like I should go visit. I should go. And I talked to Dylan. But I didn't feel like I was supposed to. So I have this freedom about I'm not looking for a place to permanently park myself. I feel like I'm supposed to be free. Well, maybe that'll change. I don't know. If I say that I'm going to be free permanently, then I've fallen into the other ditch, haven't I? Okay, I get it, God keep me free it's been a struggle to get out of the ditch I want to stay out of both I do love going barefoot 
my, my feet kind of freak out when I have to start wearing shoes in the fall. What are these things? Always learning and never coming to the truth. So what else do I know? What else do I think is true that's not true? Or what else do I think is true that's only partially true? That's the big thing, isn't it? Because the other stuff becomes obvious. So, oh, that's not a truth. You know when somebody talks to you and it's the right words, it's the right tone, something's not right there. You're saying all the right things, but something is just... And then somebody else is talking to you using every cuss word in the book. It's like, that guy's got a good heart. Being able to discern where people are at. Wasn't always able to do that. My wife was. She is. I would say, oh, that guy is fantastic. Then she'd tell me, <laughs> watch out for that guy. <laughs> oh. So she was going to come today because she is my chief intercessor, but there's no room in the van when we make a delivery. So <laughs> she refuses to ride on top, so. <laughs> you guys go. Have a good time. I'll see you when you get back. <laughs> but I know she's home praying for us right now. That, me and, me and her, that's a whole another story, that whole thing that we could go on. That'll be session five, I think. <coughs> Always learning and never coming to the truth. I want to help these people. I didn't always want to help these people. So that day, was a big help to me. When you, I expected you to have like residual anger. You were so intense, but it was like, it was over. This, the conference you had this last time, the tagline was, that, that brought me here was, it's time for all the voices to be heard and not just the top. Something like that. That's why I came. It's when I came in the back. I came in the back, I came Sunday night, and I'm like, uh, she's waving at me like crazy, but I was like, uh, I thought I I missed it. You guys were eating, I said, I've, I've, I'm late or I'm early, I don't know, something happened. So I went out, I checked, I checked my phone, I said, maybe I got the time wrong. I says, no, the time's right, so what the heck's going on? I felt like I missed it. She's waving at me. I couldn't even see you. You know, I, I did see you, but it's one of those things like my mind was like, I missed it. And she's waving. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I sat down, and you guys were finishing up and trying to clear tables, and people are still, you know, conversating. And, and as I sat there, he started talking to me about, so what did you miss? Because that was the day I went to, to Jesus Church in the morning. I felt like he wanted me to go there. So I couldn't have been here during the day. Saturday I was somewhere else. So if the conference did start on the weekend, did it go all weekend? 
Okay. So if it did go start on Friday or Saturday, I, could, I, was, I was other places already. So what did I miss? I could have been here, then I would have missed where I was supposed to be. So what did I miss? But when you go someplace all the time, you're kind of in the flow. You know what's happening. But I don't go here all the time. So like you said, some of the people are new. I don't know some of you. It's all good. We'll talk after. So always learning. So I want to always be learning. My family is not good at that. My dad's family is not good at that. I learned so much from my uncle. My Both my parents are gone. Most of his brothers and sisters are gone. There's there's an age, my dad is the oldest, so he's got a brother that's 20 years younger, so he's only 10 years older than I am. So we've had some, he lives in Colorado, and so there's an, another sister that lives in Mason that I, she doesn't drive, so I've helped facilitate. And so we, we talk quite a bit, and uh, which is kind of weird because Millers don't talk either. <laughs> <coughs> so maybe I'm not a Miller anymore because I've already used up way over my allotment of words. So when we used to talk, hi, how you doing? How's your aunt? Well, she's good. Okay, talk to you in a week. Bye. And now we talk because I've learned how to pry open the clamshell, I guess, and, and get the oyster out, get the get the pearl out of the oyster. And uh, now he tells me I really look forward to talking to you. But he's sh told me so much about my family. I didn't know. I've learned so much about my family now that my parents are gone. I didn't know about my name until my parents were gone. They didn't want, I was, there was so much pressure from my, uh, my dad's family to be a junior, so I would be Fred. I don't look like a Fred. If I'd have grown up as a Fred, I might look like a Fred. But my mom said, he's going to be unique. He's not going to be a junior. I learned that just before she died. Because I found out about my middle name, and I said, where did that come from? She said, I don't know. I know Scott came out of a baby book. At the time, it wasn't very uh, very common. But I don't know where Orin came from. Oh, it came directly from that, the throne then. Because of all that I've learned about it. It is in, in fact, I saw it in the, in the yearly reading. I saw it, and it's in Chronicles. Orin is a, uh, <laughs> get this, he's a descendant of Gilead. But since he's not the first son, there's nothing else mentioned about him but his name. Because Obed is his older brother, and they mentioned a couple of things, you know, so it's about the oldest. But I am the oldest. I is the oldest. Our dads are both the oldest. I just heard this the other day, you know, that old inheritance thing. It's always the oldest in the Old Testament that received all the... Mm. I'm chewing on that now, too, because there's something in that because I just heard that the other day. <clears throat> but I was supposed to be, they wanted me to be a junior, and she said no. And I said, you know, I never knew why my parents were born in 50. I wasn't born until 59. Why they waited nine years. So we're cleaning out the house, and we ran across the, these, <laughs> my, you know, my parents were uh, from the Depression, so they kept everything. I mean everything. Check receipts from the 40s. All those return things, everything. My mom 
You know the game Jenga? My mom would be a champ because we had, there were boxes in the attic that had a box, that had a box, that had a box, and 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 a box. There'd be a hundred boxes inside this box. But we could hear something inside one of those boxes, so we had to open all these boxes. There's no way they were all going back together, though. But we found, you know, we did find valuable things, and some of those, I don't know why they would be in the middle of all these, but they kept everything. So now I, I text with my sisters, and I said, okay, I just threw in another box. And they're like, yay, we're breaking it. We're breaking the curse. <laughs> because we were, we grew up with that, so we did do some of that. So we've been breaking, we've been uh, helping each other break some of that stuff. Why are you taking that home? I don't need that. It's broken. <coughs> Always learning and never coming to the truth. There are stuff in my life that, probably in all our lives that we just hold on to because it's always been there. It's just familiar. It's so that's comfortable. So this, I feel like I'm in this new, you talk about the transition. I feel like I've been in transition for a few years. And um, so this latest one with the ice sculpture and doing the logo and, and, and um, I felt like I was, I bought some new shirts and um, when I put one on, the one you saw, the purple one, you said I was so bold to wear a purple flowered shirt. <laughs> I've also got a leopard print shirt. <laughs> Can a leopard change its spots? Okay, I got to buy that shirt. <laughs> so I have these shirts that are kind of uncomfortable when I put them on. He says, this is a new uniform. Oh, I kind of like it. I'm still kind of challenged when to wear it in public. But I'm, that's a surprise to me. I still have some things to learn, but he wants me to embrace this new thing. What is that new thing? I don't know yet. Is this part of it? I'm all right with whatever it is. How, whatever comes along. Trying to be open, but not be gullible. A ditch on each side of the road. Always learning, never coming to the truth. Let me finish this up about so I why wasn't I why was it nine years? Because they couldn't get pregnant. My parents tried everything, in vitro, all that stuff. And it's when they gave up, they got pregnant. I realized when I heard that, that I had made up my mind about why I was, they didn't do it for nine years, why I wasn't born, for, why they didn't have kids for nine years. Not a lot of good stuff. But when I heard that from my sister, like they couldn't get pregnant, a bunch of things just broke. Why didn't I ever ask my mom why instead of just letting it? Why don't we deal with that stuff? The way to get rid of it, don't leave the splinter in, pull it out. Why is this, where did I get this splinter and why is it there? So much stuff.
my, you know, cleaning out the house, we had the good china. Came out for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. I think about three times a year. My sisters were fighting over this china. We want that good china. And it was supposed to be some, like, collectible. I forget the name now. So they were fighting over In fact, I thought they were going to actually fist fight. And the one sister went storming out of the house, and the other sisters, blah, 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 blah. And so we called it a day, and we went home. And then when we came back and actually pulled the china out and started looking at it, most of it's chipped. It's not really what they thought it was. Some of it has no mark at all. And then it ended up with neither of them wanted it. <laughs> but it was so valuable, we're ready to fist fight over it. To we, I think we ended up throwing it away. But we grew up with it in the house. It was the good china. It didn't actually match, chipped. What else have I got in my life? I have been purging my house ever since. My sisters kept trying to get me to take stuff home, and I said, I don't want more stuff. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. They took home. My parents were really into, maybe this is why I carve ice or creativity or crafty or whatever. My parents were into more stuff than I remember what we found in the house. They tried a lot of different stuff. My dad was a woodworker. He was really good. They built houses. But they couldn't work together, him and his brother, because they would fist fight. So my grandpa, who, uh, you know, they had a business together, my grandpa and the brothers, so they had to work on two houses at once. My dad would rough this one in while the brother worked next door and finished, so they weren't together. We built the, I got wisdom to build a garage when I was going to put in a, uh, I was looking at getting a building for my ice studio to kind of outgrow my space. And so somebody says, you should build a garage. That way it'll, you won't have any lease. It'll be right there for you. And so my dad jumped on board. He's now retired. And so he, he gets the family together. So there's 10, 10 family members that come to build this garage, like this old-fashioned barn-raising thing. And so my dad had a brother that was two years younger than him. And then this other brother that's 20 years younger, the three of them, I can still see them stand in my driveway because I have a walk-in freezer, and we're going to put the walk-in freezer in the back wall. So obviously this is not something they have experience with. I know what to do. No, I know what to do. No, I have an idea. <laughs> they had to go their own way and come back. I, 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 so I've asked this brother now that we're talking. I said, so who won? Whose idea did we end up doing? He says, I don't even remember. It was an incredible thing. It went up in December. That was something they said, well, you can't do it this time of year. You should just quit and do it next year. I said, no, we're going to do it this year. And the last shingle was put on as it started to sleet and snow in December. <coughs> Again, another thing that I've been reminded of, all the things that I was told was impossible. And so this is the good part of being that. Well, when God gives me something, I'm able to latch on and say, no, God said. But it's, gonna, it's impossible to do this in Lansing. It can't happen. Perfect. I love that. That's, 
That's the way a miracle happens. When somebody says, impossible, that's the only way a miracle happens. It's impossible, can't be cured. It's impossible, axe heads don't float. I'm just going to take a stick and throw it in the water. Axe head floats. You're an idiot. Think that's going to work? You can't do it. You can't pour concrete in October. Where did this 70-degree weather come from? I don't know. I think it's only on my property. <laughs> is it snowing over there? Because it's 70 and sunny over here. So all this is just reminding me. So all this stuff about seeing a, a text and then having an opportunity to give up and then him reminding me of all this and how encouraging it's been to me, I hope that I'm encouraging you. I hope that you're getting something out of this. Because I've had such a great time just with him and him reminding me all the stuff he's brought me through. And I realize that's also a two-edged coin and that all the stuff he's brought me through has prepared me for something that's coming that I'm going to need. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. <laughs> you're laughing now. <laughs> I'll call you up when I'm in something and I say, I need some laughter. <laughs> so I'm going to need, so we're going to need that stuff. So this is that part of the retirement thing that I got, I got good at some stuff that I'm going to use. Even though I'm not doing that, I got good at some stuff. We had um, one of those things uh, I'm rem being reminded of right now is when um, the winters have been really good the last few years for ice. And it was two years ago I was doing an event in cold water, an outdoor event. And um, I think I'd done this event one or two years, and this was the second or third year. And uh, we take ice and we carve there, but we also take a bunch of pre-sculpted ones and set them up around town. And um, she just kept calling me up and say, somebody else wants one, can you still do one? And right up until, until the last day. And so I am just churning. I am kind of like maxed out in my freezers and, and I'm, and uh, I think it was cold enough I was actually storing some stuff outside even. And uh, she called me up the day before, or a couple days before, and says, I got a couple more. Can you still do a couple more? And I said, okay. And then I hung up the phone, and I says, I don't think I have any more ice. It takes three days to make a carving block. I said, I don't think I have any more ice. So I went out there, and I'm counting blocks of what I still have to finish, and I said, I don't have any more ice. Where's that ice going to come from to do these last two? And the next day I went out there and there were two more pieces of ice. I had to keep recounting. I said, I know it wasn't here. I know it wasn't here. I am convinced it wasn't here yesterday. Doing the impossible. <laughs> I know that's what he's called me to do. That's what he's called us to do. This last days are going to be marked by miracles. That healing would be natural, supernatural, Sid Roth, supernaturally natural, naturally supernatural, however he says that. What do you need? A new leg? No problem. Here you go. Cancer? No problem. Liver transplant? Here you go. I, and so for me, I think that's part of getting rid of some of this junk that I've been carrying around. Part of that is it can't happen. That doesn't happen. So he gives me these other opportunities like this ice that just shows up. 
I know it. I, I, but I don't have any, I don't have any proof. There was no one there that I could say, count this ice with me, and then the next day, count this ice with me. See, two more, I told you. There's no one there. So it's, it's just him showing me, him training me, him teaching me, him always learning and never coming to the truth. What's the truth? Whatever you have need of. Do we really believe what that says? So this last year not working, where did money come from? The craziest places. To me, it was just, I got a tax refund from three years ago. Hey, there was a mistake made on your federal income tax. Here's 2000 bucks. I don't get tax refunds. I pay. I work for myself. I never get a tax refund. How did I get? Don't overthink it. So he's been giving me these things to build me up for a new liver? No problem. My suspicion is you all are going through the same thing. I mean, when I, when I hear you all at the microphone, kind of all saying the same thing. This is your day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> I, so I have met so many guys that are out of work from ice sculpting. And a lot of guys, because now that we follow you know, on Facebook and the Internet and all this, I never thought that as successful as they were, how could they be out of business? As good at they are as, as at that as they are, how could they be out of, how can they not find enough to keep going? When I first started carving ice, there were ten other guys doing a fair amount of ice in the city. So when somebody says it can't happen in Lansing, I says, Well, I, yeah, I could almost if I would have let myself But since I was so young in him, you know, when you're young, your parents do a lot for you that you don't know at the time. That's what he did for me. He didn't let me know a lot of <laughs> what could happen or not happen. But it was always just encourage, just take this next step. Don't worry about that. Just keep here. Just take another step. Don't walk off the stage. But he's always doing that with us, isn't he? He's always encouraging us to just take the next step can't see how that's going to make a difference. That's why it's called a miracle. It's impossible. So one of the things that as I've been turning off things, I've been, one of the things I have been looking is I've been reading a lot about past revivals and the, and the awakenings and, you know, we hear all these prophetic words about what's coming. So I'm just reading these for myself and thinking about these guys didn't have the Internet. They weren't able to text, didn't have a cell phone. How were they able to have a revival without all this technology? <laughs> In fact, some people have said that might be the Antichrist is all this technology. Because we look at that instead of looking for him. I listened to that prophetic word instead of asking him. I hear a lot of people, it's all about what this one said and that one said. I never hear what he told you. I want to hear what he told you. 
part of that is people don't think highly enough of themselves. Well, he would never talk to me like he talks to, because they're a big shot. You know, they're a big shot. Look at all the followers they have. What if he wants you to have more than that? But it's only if you let him talk to you. Always learning and never coming to the truth. So these, so one of the things that I, I recognize in these past revivals and, and things that happened was a lot of times there was no uh, come up here and we'll pray for you. People fall out in the pews or falling out in the ditch because a group was praying in a house over here. They didn't start out to have a revival in Azusa Street. It was a prayer meeting in a house, people just seeking God. So many people started coming, the porch collapsed, so they had to move to a building. And then people didn't want to go home. They came in and they came out. Without technology? <laughs> Without a microphone? <laughs> Did you see this when you went to uh, Israel, the valley where he preached to 5,000? And somebody stood up there and preached, and you could hear how it flowed down through this valley like a big auditorium. It was amazing. God wants to do it. He can make a way. Always learning and never coming to the truth. The one, this last conference <laughs> so much challenged me. I was so surprised. I don't know why I'm still surprised. I love coming here. He never fails to speak during worship here. And there's this, I, I, it's like, how can you not hear in this place? Why isn't this place filled up? Always learning, never coming to the truth. Yippee! Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and tribulations. Yippee! I'm glad you don't like me. God says now I'm doubly blessed. That's in there. All right. I gotta read the I gotta read that. I don't want that word you got from whoever. I want it. Give me the source. So I just, it's account after account of people getting touched by God, not because of the ministry, but because it was being preached and God just showed up and touched people. They, um, Oral Roberts, you know, had a successful tent ministry, was seeing, still seeing miracles, even though it was on the decline now, those tent revivals. What do they say? There were like 200 of them in the heyday. And so it was starting to, he still was one of the few that was still seeing great uh, crowds. And he felt God was talking to him about doing something new. So all these associate pastors said, if you do that new thing, we're leaving. And he says, i got to follow God. And um, that's where ORU came from. But they all at the time thought he was crazy, and they left. 
And they did. They pr kept their promise. They left. He was by himself. They did end up coming back. But he said, I got to follow. And, and so how many people do that? I'm already seeing great fruit. Why would I quit doing this to do that when I can't see what that is? What's this next thing? I don't know. Well, then keep carving ice. Well, I guess I could if I had it. <laughs> I don't have any orders. But people aren't gathering, so they're not really going to order ice, which is used in a gathering. I had a couple of, um, so I did the last ice carving before all the stuff, February 29th. Leap year, how appropriate. <coughs> and then I got, I did an open house in July, way out in the sticks. And we get out of the car. I say we, it's because of my nephew Zach uh, is, is the driver. He loves to drive. He works for Star Truck Lines. He has a great kid. He's just turned 25. I think he's my age. Up here, he's my age. He, he's just got it going on. He is just. He is not a typical 25-year-old, and he has just been amazing. He, he, he is a great mechanic. He will come and fix your car in your driveway. He does brakes for 20 bucks. <laughs> your boy automotive is what he goes by. Your boy, your boy automotive. <laughs> well, he will come to you and work on your car. And so he's kept my truck running when I thought it was going to die. He said, hey, it's a $10 part. What are you charging me, 10 bucks? All I got to do is unplug it and plug it back in. That's it? I thought it was the end of life. He says, 20 bucks, and you're good to go. He's done that with my van. He did it with the car. He's done it with my work truck. Amazing kid. So, um, so when I say we, it's me and Zach. And he loves to drive, so I let him drive. Hey, go for it. And... Um, We did this, had this delivery in the sticks, and we pull up, and we're not sure if we're gonna, gonna have to wear a mask. And we get out, and they're all unmasked, and they're all, ooh, we're gonna party! It's a celebration! All right! And they were just so thrilled, and they uh, wrote the check out, and we left. And I looked at the check, and I said, oh, she overpaid. I called her, and I and I saw it. We weren't too far down there. I said, turn around and bring it back. She said, we so appreciate you. We want you to have a 50% tip. Okay. And I felt like I was supposed to give that whole thing to a ministry as a first fruit. I'm not making any money. God says, give it all away. Oh, there was a time when I couldn't have done that. And I did kind of struggle. I'm going to give, no. The logo thing, I know where he wants me to go. It's in Ovid. It's 40 minutes from my house. I've got a company set up at Royal Scott, 10 minutes from my house. Why can't I go there? I don't know. So Google takes us, and so we pull up, says, you are here. And I says, where's here? It's a two-track two leading into the woods. Who, who is, this is like deliverance movie. Who is going to be in there? <laughs> I have these crazy thoughts, you know, like, I don't see anything. You're here. But you pull in there, and all of a sudden it opens to this compound. It's this woman has her business at her house, the house, nice garage, landscape. And the woman hates me. She acts like she doesn't like me. So why the heck am I here? 
I don't know what happened there. It's the same thing. I know I carry something. Something was deposited there. But that's where he took me. I said, it doesn't make any sense. 40 minutes. I don't know why. Can I do things when I don't know why? I've learned how to do things when I don't know why. This all started doing things when I don't know why. all started with um, I put on a shirt, a polo shirt, and the collar flipped up. And I went to put it down, and he said, don't. Why? Okay, I don't know why. I wear it all day like that. Every time I turn my head, I feel it. I wonder what's going on. I'm working in my yard, and I hear a bee. Bzz. Okay, I get it. I will pay attention now when you say, when I don't understand why, I would have learned the lesson either way. I'm glad I obeyed. <laughs> Much less painful that way. Pit bull, pit bull, let go. So I've been to it. So, I, so he keeps reminding. So all this stuff has been coming back to me. That's why I said I could do 16 weeks of this. I've got so much in just the last couple of weeks. What he's reminded of what he's done, how he's brought me here. I have not been one that's always learned and never come to the truth. I have kept myself. When I first got born again, I was sitting in church, and I felt we, you know, I just got born again. I'm sitting in the pew just before church, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm reading about in James about being humble. And the pastor says, why are you reading that? You've got it. And I said, I feel like he's telling me there's more. Oh, and so he tried to talk me out of it. But I didn't. It's about like God was saying, there's like levels. You can get low. How low can you go? You want to be first, be last. That's all part of that pendant. It's upside down. It doesn't make sense. Why would I give it away? I need it. That's how you get it. What? Would I get it? Somebody's going to give me a necklace? Somebody's going to give me something. <laughs> I don't know if it's a necklace. I, I just know if I gave something, I'm going to get something. Can't stop a kingdom principle. Always learning, never coming to the truth. So when I, when I said I, I always never thought I would be able to speak in front of people, how can I stand up and talk for 30 minutes? How long have I been up here? <laughs> Can't shut me up now. first started I knew that th this was why I was here part of why I was here was for you I didn't know it when I came <laughs> okay always learning never coming to the truth not so complicated sometimes we make it so complicated can't be that easy God all I did was give a necklace why'd somebody give me a car can't be that easy
one of the things I, I learned from Nicholas was he he know he saw miracles. He said, I saw people who um, shouldn't be alive that lived, survived. I says, why can't you believe that for yourself? Oh, but I got brain damage. So why can't God fix that? Well, he can to a degree. Why can't he make you perfect? Why can't he make it better than what it was? Oh, I... So much I learned from being around him and, and, where, and seeing how stuck he is and realizing that I'm stuck. He was convinced he needed a knee replacement <coughs> because he saw an x-ray that showed no cartilage. And so he insisted that I go with him. And this was a day when we saw Dr. Denise for a chiropractic adjustment. And since she was slow, she gave him one. He said, oh, I've got a bad knee. And she says, no, it's your left one. He says, no, my right one's the one with pain. Well, maybe you're overcompensating, but your left one is the problem. And he was having a hard time grasping that. And so uh, then we went to his orthopedic. He had an appointment with his orthopedic surgeon right after that. And she said, so she'd send him for an MRI and, uh, because it's clearer than an X-ray. And she said, no, that, that's, uh, your, your knees are good. That, car, that amount of cartilage is normal for you. All you've got is a little tendonitis. No surgery for you. All you need is a little physical therapy. You'll be good as new. I'm having a hard time grasping that. We meet with Jean Guy for a nutrition appointment. He's sitting there with us, and Jean Guy is doing this new thing. He says, come lay on the table. And Nick says, I've got a bad knee. And he says, no, it's your left knee. He couldn't, he still can't grasp that he doesn't need a replacement. He had three doctors in a row tell him, you're good, and he still has it in his head. I saw this x-ray because he has medical training is tripping him up. What he knows is tripping him, always learning, always learning and never coming to the truth. How many times I've seen that with him medically that he will say this, and I'll say that's not true. He says, well, I have training. So I, he, and he's on medication, so a, a one night he fell asleep on his knees, kneeling on the floor on his knees. And then I woke him up, and, then I, and uh, I heard him again, and he was asleep again on his knees. And when he woke up, he had swollen calves. And he was all freaked out. What's going on? It's got, I don't even know what this is from. I've got, I, uh, uh. I says, why don't you just... Take a breath and lay down and elevate your legs just because you fell asleep, I think, and maybe you'll just, oh, you don't have a degree. I needed someone with a degree. <laughs> and so he Ubered himself to his doctor, and they saw him right away. They gave him a water pill and a little ointment, and uh, it went away, and he's never had the problem since. So I asked him a while later, I says, what happened with that? He says, uh, I don't know. You don't think it was because you fell asleep, but, but he—I know it, he's got—he's got—he does have some legitimate things going on, but he can't come to this, and it's because of his medical training. I can believe it for them, but I can't believe it for myself. I guess Holly—that's my whole thing—is that this religious spirit has people thinking they're okay because. Well, a lot of people think I go to church on Sunday. I'm good. Me and God, we're like this. Because of 90 minutes a day, or a week. 
Did, were you ever at Gilead when we, we used to have what they call the care clinic, we prayed for people, and um, we did it before services. We were there between services, and so Mount Hope did three services, so people would try to either come before or after they went to church. That's why we were there, to make it convenient for people. We used to get phone calls. Uh, I have a demon. Can I, I want to, if I come to church 15 minutes early, can you get me in right away and get rid of the demon so I can still get to church on time? We had this phone call more than once about people who wanted to do like, I need a quick deliverance. <laughs> yeah, I've only got 15 minutes. <laughs> or how about this one? Like, I think I've got like seven demons. I like two, but these other five got to go. Always learning and never coming to the truth. I know that I've got these seven, and I don't like these five, but these two I kind of like to keep. So these people, but I went to church with these people. I love these people. I was one of these people, and God had to fire me, like fire me to get me out of there so I could see what was going on with me. I was like that. In fact, when I was like that, I looked at this group of people and I said, oh, that's them. And God says, oh, that's different. <laughs> that's different. You still love me though, right? I do. <laughs> but I don't want you to be like that. <laughs> so... So here's what I'll end with. And so this, like I said, I could go on and on. There's so much. I just am so excited about what he's been showing me and what I feel like where we're headed because it's pointing us to where we're going. He's not prepared us to retire, retire, but to quit something to do this new thing. And so let, I've got to let go of what I used to do, the way I used to minister even. We, learned, we were trained how to minister. What if God doesn't want to, what if he just wants me to walk around you, not say nothing? What if he says to do whatever he tells you to do? My, my best times at, when I ministered there was when we were slow because I'd be there by myself because people didn't, if nobody's coming, I'm not staying. I kind of made myself, uh, uh, I was uh, uh, one of the leaders, so I kind of had to stay. I wanted to stay, but I mean I needed to stay. But I'd be there by myself and somebody come in, or uh, not somebody, but like a group of people. I'm like, how am I going to do all this? I don't want to make people wait. He'd say, well, pray for them all at once. We don't do it like that. So how's this going to work? How's this going to No, I didn't say no. I said, how's this going to work? And then he'd tell me, have them stand like this. One time I remember seeing these two ladies come in, and I was supposed to pray for them both at the same time. And I recognized one had joy, and the other one had peace. You need this, she has it. She need this, she has it. He had me pray for each other, and I stood there and watched while they ministered. It was the most amazing thing. Now, if the people who set me up saw me doing that, I might have been fired a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> but I had all these <laughs> unsupervised. <laughs> I had all these times where the Holy Spirit trained me. I do believe in some training, but I, we get, there's always this, it's like this tightrope thing I feel. 
always learning and never coming. So what's he want to do? So that's why I was excited about this conference. It's time to hear from all these voices instead of just the top. So at the conference, when um, I don't remember how it happened, but you were, it was just like when I met you at Gilead. You were like, had this intensity, and you were like, Jehu, throw her down. And the hounds were loosed, ate her up. I said, that's worth coming for the whole thing, just to hear that. better than Jehu. Well, I'm not better, but. Well, greater things than what I did, you're going to do. What's that look like? Casting out legion. What's that? Mark 6, just a day in the life of Jesus. Healed a woman with the issue of blood, raised a dead girl, cast out demons. Just a normal day in the life of Jesus. <laughs> On my way to raising a dead girl, a woman got healed by touching my, what? I want, so I wonder if being late, because I, so the delivery I made to was a guy named Scott. I don't know why, why I, it shocked me when he said, hi, I'm Scott. I said, oh, I'm Scott. I'm making a delivery to myself. Something, you know, just something stupid came, something stupid came out. You know, I'm thinking something stupid came out. Well, it's just like Nick. He can believe it for somebody else, but he can't believe it for himself. I'm glad you received, but God never does that for me. Change the stinking thing. Besides religious spirit, maybe it's fear. Throw her down. Spirit of mammon. Throw her down. Okay. I, like I said, I, I could just keep, I could just keep going on. I don't know what. Just, um, I want to end this way then. So if you just hold up your hands. Say, so God, you're no respecter of persons. I don't think you've done anything for me that you don't want to do for all of us. So anything that they, they've heard from me that they recognize and they want in their own lives, I just release whatever you've done in me. Whatever you've done in me, I release it right now and let all these hungry hearts soak it up. All these things that they heard about that need to go, we, we, <laughs> okay, you're all Jehu now. So whatever you heard, throw her down. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. 
because God is good and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.